Welcome back to another episode of Lunch with Spencer and Jeff. I'm your host, Spencer Turkin, alongside my partner, Jeff Mills. Hello, everybody. And today we are over at the Swarm offices as the president of the G League. Sharif Abdurrahim is here. We appreciate you taking some time out. No, thank you for having me, and thank you for providing lunch. Of course. It's actually real lunch. It's a real lunch. It's not just the name of the show, so that's, that's no, awesome. But you, know, you. you get real lunch if you come and sit down with us. That, that's this part was of a the good deal. choice, too. And, Liberty uh, Oaks is a, a favorite downtown. So. Yes, Thank so uh, a top-notch choice, and we'll, we'll dive into that uh, sandwich here in a little bit. But uh, first off, welcome to Greensboro. Uh, you got to tour the facilities, and you've seen a little bit of what the Swarm have to offer to the Gate City. What did you think of the Fieldhouse and uh, the job that the Charlotte Hornets minor league organization has done here so far? Well, I think it's, it's, it's great. Um, Fieldhouse is, is wonderful. I was here maybe five or six years ago um, when it was kind of just under construction and, you know, the tent was up and, mm-hmm. and, and everything. So now to be back and actually see it built out and, and to, to see, you know, just all of the, all of the amenities that, that's offered, um, you know, I've probably been so far I'm in the role now six months and, I've been to, you know, maybe a dozen of our, you know, arenas and facilities, and is you know right up there, among the top in our in our league. And then the connection that it has to the Greensboro Coliseum, the amphitheater, um, you know, just really being an asset for the overall community, and you know, having a place where folks can come and engage and meet and you know, be a part of the community is is wonderful. I'm curious, so you have been on the job for, what, you said six months or so. Yeah. Uh, what, what drew you to the job, and what, what sort of challenges do you, do you, do you see for, in this job? Uh, well, what drew me to the job is just the opportunity that we have with the G League. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're, you know, it's kind of like the right time, you know, right space for our league. You know, we look at, you know, how much younger our, our league is, is becoming, how relevant and necessary development is, mm-hmm. um, how um, – how popular the game of basketball and how much um, basketball in, in our league is in demand and folks want more of it. And we're an opportunity as the G League to, to offer that. Um, you know, challenges, I'm not sure I see challenges mm-hmm. um, if, if it, or view it that way. I think the challenge is ex- executing on the opportunity we have. So, yeah. you know, really, you know, for example, if we, if we use – um, Greensboro, as an example, you know, executing on really uh, the swarm being a true extension of the Charlotte Hornet brand, right. and you know, how does you know the parent team come and really have a presence throughout this region, and the swarm be a true community partner, and you know, we really have a true you know opportunity to develop people, not just basketball players, but you know. Communications folks, ticket mm-hmm. sellers, um, you know, broadcast teams, you know, to, to that all of the community, all of the constituents um, enjoy the benefits of what the G League have to offer. And, you know, the parent team's um, presence is felt, you know, here. It seems like the league is in its highest moment, its peak right now. Uh, inching closer to a one-to-one ratio between minor league team and NBA team. Do you feel like when the league reaches that point, it's going to really put it in a special place and make it almost similar to the AHL and hockey? Well, I I think our, you know, I think we're close, you know, Mm -hmm. probably um, 
a year and a half, two years out of announcing um, our other two teams joining. Um, I think at, at you know at the point where we're thirty for thirty, I think our potential um, is limitless. You know, yeah. I think you know the the great thing about basketball at this time is a, it's a global game. Yes, very much so. Um, and I, I'm not sure that other affiliate leagues have the same global appeal that you know our league has or that the NBA has. Uh, we're actually directly connected now. So you know, we're 28 teams. All 28 teams are affiliated with an NBA team, but of that, 25 are owned and operated by the NBA team, which I think is a differentiator. Uh, so when you, when you merge all that together, I agree. You know, at the point where a 30 league team, um, you know, that really opens up, you know, an opportunity to execute on all the potential, again, that we have to, to grow basketball, to grow and be an extension of our parent teams, um, to open up opportunities of, of growth and development, and to, you know, try new and exciting things within our game. One of the new and exciting things, I think, um, is uh, in North Carolina is obviously very hotbed of college basketball, the new path to pro path that, that the G League is offering. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and where, where you see that headed? Well, I think, you know, you know one, I, you can't explain it without first um, giving some background. Right. And, the back, you know, that being that, you know, we were in a space where, you know, things were going on within the elite high school space um, that, you know, caused the basketball community to, to – you know, request additional opportunities for elite high school young mm-hmm. people. You know, we had the the Rice Commission that Condoleezza Rice um, is leading and led, um, and the NBA stepped in and, and offered an opportunity to young people to say, okay, if if you want to be a young a one and done, or you don't want to. Um, you know, attend college, right. here's an opportunity for you to come and start your professional career. From a league standpoint, we built out what we think is a, a robust experience for um, young people, starting with a, a salary of uh, of 125000 that mm-hmm. the young person would um, receive. Um, you know, full development plan on court, off court. All of our G League team now are required to have off-court player development um, personnel. So oh, that's is, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you know someone that's working with our teams and our players just around life skills. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, we have a partnership with Arizona State University, where if the young person wanted to, in addition to starting their professional basketball career, wanted to start their you know um, secondary education, they they could start their education through an online program with Arizona State University, so they don't have to totally sacrifice. Um, their education mm-hmm. um, and you know all of it all of that is a part of the package we've you know been engaged with teams with our teams who uh, have interest in the program um, and you know of date we haven't you know signed a young person we haven't identified a young person and I think a caveat to it to, to just to be sure is not something that we are um, recruiting right the young people, you know, it's, it's an offering that we have is there. Uh, Rod Strickland, former NBA player, and Allison Feaster, uh, former WNBA player, they're um, heading up the program. 
and they've been out you know, communicating and talking to folks within the basketball community just to educate them about what we're offering. But we're not, uh, I wouldn't say we're recruiting. We're not in competition yeah, that, that's with, the, the, wrong word with, for the, it, with right. the UNCs and, and Dukes of the world. We're not. If I'm not mistaken, you were a one and done. I was. So uh, for you, having gone through that process, would you recommend being a one and done to somebody? Would you recommend them turning pro or do you think that they should stay in school and get their education? I know education is also very important to you. Yeah, for me at the time, you know, I, I really had no inclination or thought of, of, you know, being a one and done. I think the environment and, you know, the, the thinking is much different now. Um, I thought I'd go to school and be in school for a while. And, um, I, you know, my focus then was just being, you know, you know, having fun, being a student and being a really good college player. Um, Young people, I think, today are, are going in with a, kind of a, pre, a preconceived notion of, okay, I'll, I'll do a year of school, and the point of going to school is to further my professional career. That's, right. that's a reality. And I think what we say is, okay, if you, know, if you think it would be better for you to you know, start your professional career, we have an opportunity. And again, this was really something that was, you know, asked by the basketball community that, you know, provide an additional opportunity for, for young people. Uh, these are grown men that are out here playing in the G League. Yeah. How difficult of a road would that be for an 18-year-old to try and excel in the G League? Well, again, like it's not for every, you know, it wouldn't be something that we would extend to mm-hmm. every 18-year-old. I think we, we have a committee in place that, you know, would be able to, to evaluate the, the ability of that young person to withstand the G League. The G League is, you know, we, we like to think of it as the second best basketball league in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think of it, you know, this past year you had guys like Dwayne Bacon and Deontay Graham playing in the G League, right? Like, these are guys that were, you know, Deontay Graham was the player of the year in the Big 12, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. or, you know, and, you know, very close to being the, you know, player of the year in college basketball. You know, that's the guy that a high school kid is going out and playing against. So that's a very, you know, tall order. I think in, in, in you know, controlling expectations, our expectation isn't that, you know, a high school kid would come into the G League and dominate the G League. Is that the, the G League would be a, a development ground for them and a, a place for them to grow and make mistakes and, mm-hmm. you know, really be, you know, a learning environment for them. And that's really sort of the mission for every player, whether it's a high school player or, or pro Absolutely. player. The, the G League is all about development. Absolutely. And you see a lot of NBA rosters. There's a lot of G League alumni on NBA rosters. What were the figures this year? Do you know off so, I mean, I think, you know, well, I'd say over – you know, throughout the season, you know, over 52% of yeah, okay. NBA players spent time in the G League. But then I think the best illustration is what we have right now in the finals where of the two teams, you have 16 players that have spent, you know, time in the G League, have G League experience. Mm-hmm. So that's, and some significant time. Yeah, I mean, guys like Quinn Cook right. grew, grew out of the G League. Pascal Siakam grew out of the G League. Um, Danny Green grew out of the, the G League. So, um it's working, you know. I think is the is the takeaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the game growing globally. We've seen what's going on in Toronto right now, and and the way that they've accepted 
their team and this run. You played in Vancouver. Uh, what was your experience like in Canada? And do you think we could see maybe a, a few more G League teams, uh, the two more that you have to announce, maybe going north of the border uh, to try and expand the game globally? Well, look, I, I love Vancouver. You know, one of the, you know, in my opinion, probably one of the better North American cities. Um, I think basketball, um, you know, the folks there took to basketball at the time. And, you know, just since the, you know, 20 plus years that basketball, the NBA, um, to be clear, has been in Canada, obviously it's um, just grown. You know, if you look at, you know, the, the excitement around the Raptors and around the NBA. But then, you know, furthermore, the, the, the number of players that have, uh, you know, grown and come out, of a, kind of come out of Canada. I think at that time when I was playing, it was like Steve Nash was the only player and currently I think we have 15 or 16 current Canadian born um, players in the NBA so um, basketball the NBA has had a huge impact on on Canadian Canadian basketball but I think Canadians have just you know taken to it you know you look at the ratings around um, the finals you know they, yeah. they've surpassed the Stanley Cup that's you know that's I wouldn't believe that right that's unbelievable um <laughs> So you know that 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 in itself is a great story. You know, will you know will another will a G League team end up in Canada? You know, the way our league, meaning the the G League, is functioning now. You know, with the interest from NBA teams, the NBA teams are really directing where they place their G League teams. I think you know somewhere in Canada would be a great market mm-hmm. for a G League team. But more and more, we're seeing teams trending t- closer. You know what Greensboro is. An hour drive from Charlotte. Right. You know, that's the. Those are. That's the way teams are trending um, these days. And there are advantages to that, obviously, because you could have a guy. You could. It's not hard to get a guy back and forth between Greensboro and Charlotte. Absolutely. Obviously. Absolutely. You look at the league itself and and how it's progressed. At being a former NBA player, when, when this was announced, did you think that it would reach this point that we're about to hit the thirty for thirty mark? You know, you didn't. You didn't really. Um, at that time, you really didn't know. You know what to think. Our league has had a number of different iterations. You know, you know, in the beginning, we were just you know primarily southeastern teams, mm-hmm. and we were totally detached from the NBA and NBA teams. And you know, NBA teams were you know randomly pulling guys from from at the time developmental league teams. Um, you know, to you know we you know somewhat grew. And, you know, folks were just buying teams up. I think, you know, one person owned three or four teams at one time. And, you know, we – and since then you've just seen the the value add of NBA teams having the ability to develop their own players and and have their own team and have that dedicated resource. Um, And that's caught and and has grown – and I think you see it now expanding beyond just the basketball where the G League teams are com- becoming true community partners, true extensions of the NBA team's brand, um, and just overall community assets. Um, and that's the part I don't think, you know, you, you really appreciate it. Sure, you could see every team wanting to develop talent and have a, a stockpile of players, but – 
you know how our teams have grown and been a part, become a part of the community um, that they play in. As from the G League standpoint, we're totally vested in being a part of our our communities. Totally. How do you convince a young man who is on the fringe of either going to Europe to play ball or staying home to stay home and to give themselves a, a legitimate shot of making the NBA? Yeah, well, I think at this point you don't have to, you know, uh, convince them. I think it's enough examples. Yeah, the league sort of sells itself, right? Yeah, you know, guys, Quinn Cook. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, he came out of Duke. He he wasn't drafted. And years and years ago he would have, you know, gone directly overseas and made a lot of money. He, he, He invested in himself. And, you know, he's on, you know, he's on a finals team now. Um you know, guys like Chris Middleton, you know, starting G League, Joe Harris. You know, so these that you, you have enough examples that you point to to say, hey, you know, you could, you know, be that, that player. And the G League is an opportunity for you. You know, you're going to play in front of NBA people every night. You're a guy who uh, grew up in the southeast, went out to California for school. How'd you end up at uh, at Berkeley, and uh, what made you decide to go back and, and finish up your education? And eventually, go get an MBA. Yeah, um, you know, at, at the time, um, you know, I grew up again, like you said, in the Southeast, and you know, my teams or the teams that I follow were places you know, like North Carolina, like Duke, Georgia Tech, you know, ACC basketball, um, and you know, at the time, I, I I didn't, you know, going through high school, I didn't think of you know, going, you know, that far outside of, you know, the region I grew up in. At the time, guy, Ty Bozeman was the coach at Kyle. He just did a wonderful job of, you know, you know, explaining the school to me, sharing everything the school had to offer, you know, basketball and beyond, you know, the, the total campus life. Um, and I visited and, and I just took to it. It was, you know, a great experience for me. Um, and I think that's what drove me to always have the desire to go back. I think, you know, the way I was able to, you know, perform in a year there, you know, kind of probably sped my process up where I left school early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I so enjoyed the campus in Berkeley that I always had an intention of wanting to go back and finish. So, you know, throughout my playing career, you know, little by little I tried to, um, you know, work towards that. And then once I finished, you know, I, I wanted to go and, and complete it. Uh, what was that like after you played, being in class with uh, with undergrad students? 18, and, yeah, what, what was that <laughs> well, experience you like? From, you know, you learn from, you know, a lot of times you're learning from people younger than you. They're a lot smarter than you are, right? <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I just learned a ton. It was cool to be able to, like, just be a student. You know, I found out, you know, I found libraries and, um, different buildings that, that exist on Cal's <laughs> campus that, you know, when I was there, um, when I was younger, I didn't know exist. Um, but, but it was a great experience. Um, I enjoyed it. It allowed me to, you know, reconnect with, with Berkeley and with the community there in a way that I, I didn't have the opportunity to when I was a student athlete. Yep. That, that's an interesting point. You mentioned, uh, uh, campus life. Do you, do you think the average college basketball fan really understands what it takes to be a student athlete at that level? I mean, there's a lot that goes on besides just basketball, and you're, you're asked to do a whole lot. Well, I mean, I think the, the time commitment, the emotional wear and tear, the um, you know, the attention that's on you, it makes it you know really tough um, to, to 
totally be engaged mm-hmm. in being a, 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 a student. And there's some, you know, there's some you know, majors and classes that you can take where, look, you, you can't miss a day. If you miss a day of class, like, you're lost. You know, so the idea that, you know, you keep the schedule and, you know, you have to go on a, a road trip and, you know, miss a couple of days of class, that's, you know, I think that, I don't think people appreciate that time commitment. I don't think they appreciate how emotionally taxing yeah. um, being an athlete can be or being a student athlete. Like, these are, you know, these are like big stakes that kids are, um, you know, playing, playing for. You went back and got your MBA. Uh, what, what, what drove that decision, and uh, you know, what, what, what kind yeah. of career goals did you have at that point? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to have opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to continue to learn, and at that point, I was retired. I had, you know, kind of started getting a taste of, um, you know, life beyond the court, and um, I wanted to just be in a position to, you know, take a, take advantage of, you know, other opportunities if they presented themselves. Mm-hmm. What drove you into basketball administration? It, it kind of just, you know, I mean, one, it fits because I was around it so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I retired, um, the guys Jeff Petrie and Wayne Cooper, who were uh, running the Kings at the time, they, they asked me to, you know, stay and be a part of the organization. You know, for a couple of years I coached, and I moved from that into front office work and, you know, ran a, a G League team. And, you know, so I just – it it it, it – um, it, it kind of, it, 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 in a lot of ways, just the people that were there, um, you know, identified me and, and took an interest in me. And then that, you know, encouraged me to keep working and keep, you know, looking for more. Did, did being a player help in in, in uh, those experiences? Did that help you in the in the front office type job too? Or Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I was able to leverage – you know, initially, you know, my experience playing and relationships in those areas. And then, I mean, obviously you have to go and learn and, you know, add additional value. But I think that, that started. Uh, you were with Reno when you were working in the G League. What did your experience uh, working in the G League teach you and, and tell you about this league that has helped you today as you continue to try and grow it? Yeah, well, I think I think that just gave me an appreciation for – um, the journey of our, our players. Because you, you got to see just how much, you know, our players love basketball and believe in themselves, believe in their dreams. You know, you know I'd say if, if we have the second best basketball league in the world, we have the best basketball stories. Mm-hmm. So to see the commitment and sacrifice that our, our players, you know, go through, um, you know, at that time, and, and we've improved these standards, but at that time, you know, guys were taking, you know, 10-hour bus trips, you know, yeah, wow. you know, for back-to-back games and playing and, and competing and still doing well. And so I, I think those experiences and seeing that, you know, um, has encouraged me and, 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 and motivated me to want to improve our league and improve the standards of our league to make sure and ensure that we have a platform for folks to – you know, reach their dreams. How close are the margins? I mean, you look at a guy, uh, 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 what's the difference between uh, the two or three guys on the end of an NBA bench and the two or three guys, the best teams on that G League team? The margins can't be that far off. No, I, I, look, I think, I think at that point is, 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 is probably more understanding mm-hmm. than, than anything else and, and, and uh, intangibles. 
You know, I, I think, you know, the, the large majority of true G League player, you know, not a assignment player, not a two-way player, um, has to have an understanding of how his skill set translates to an NBA roster. Right. And, you know, just the way players or guys have been conditioned is scoring is always the most valuable commodity, right? Uh, look, you got Kemba Walker playing for the – Charlotte Hornets, mm-hmm. right? You got, you know, Monk playing and, and guys like that. Like, you're not going there to score, to be <laughs> the primary scorer. So how else can I add value? And a lot of that is just intangibles and understanding. is less about talent and just more about, you know, understanding and having a feel for how you, you know, consistently add value. Uh, thinking back, how did you get into the game of basketball, and uh, when did you realize that playing in the NBA w- was going to be a real possibility? Yeah, I mean, it just started off as like like any other kids, like just recreation and 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 wanting to be with my friends, and you know, grew into something that I you know really enjoyed and really loved, and then wanting to be good at you know, which turned into to working and and, and wanting to spend a lot of time on it. Um, uh, again, like until for, for at, in, in my era, you know, my I didn't really give being a professional player outside of dreaming about it, and mm-hmm. you know, it being some long distant goal. Until you know, after my year of college, you know, playing in college where it was a reality, and folks were saying, "Hey, you could uh, be drafted." I didn't really give it real consideration. How ready were How ready were you for the NBA at nineteen? I wasn't ready. I mean, no. I was going to be drafted. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, physically, you know, look. I mean, you dealing. I, I was drafted to a team. It was his second year in existence. It was an expansion team. You know, just the emotional toll of of losing. <laughs> you know, was you know enough to you know not be prepared for it. Have never had never lost before. That was taxing, but you know, then you know the physical grind, uh, you know, the continual development of your own abilities and skills. You know, I I had a lot to learn, and you know, it wasn't. It'd have been nice for me at that time to have a G League. You know, I was, I was, I was kind of, you know, I I learned by um, going through, you know, the 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 fire. It'd have been nice to yeah. you know be able to have a night or two where, you know. I was the more talented or dominant player on the court and get some to have some success. But how tough was it to go? Yeah, how tough was it to go through all that stuff and being? I know it's just Canada, just north of us, but being in a foreign country and and being all the way on the other coast, uh, yeah. away from home. I mean, all of that is a part. You know, when you say were you ready? All of that. I'd spent one year away from home. You know, in college, and now I was in a you know a different country, culturally different. And, you know, it felt like being from Georgia. It felt like, you know, I could have been in Europe or, yeah. you know, somewhere much further. You know, it felt that way because it was so different from where I grew up and what I knew. Um, but, I mean, that that's part of, you know, really being prepared. Time for everybody's oh, favorite part <laughs> of the podcast, and that's launch. Oh, uh, so uh, today, uh, Liberty Oak is uh, where we got launch from, and we have the turkey and Havarti sandwich. Uh we usually check out uh, a local spot from around town, give uh, the food a little taste test, give it a review. Uh, but you've been all over the world for basketball. Uh, any favorite restaurants or meals that, you, uh, that you've that you consumed or a place that you know you have to get to uh, whenever you're in a certain town? 
I've been to I've been to Italy, mm-hmm. and, and the pizza <laughs> there was you know unbelievable. Uh, so I think that I think that stands out. Food in Vancouver was you know salmon. The salmon in Vancouver was mm-hmm. you know awesome. So we got the turkey and Havarti. We do a ten point rating system. Can give half helmet stickers. Uh, Jeff, the sandwich is on a croissant. It's on a croissant. The croissant is delicious. And uh, it is really good. Nice buttery croissant. Plenty of turkey on here. Uh, this Lirioke is a, a staple downtown for uh, for a lot of folks. It is. It's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a downtown place that um, um, has been around for a while. Um, that it's a during the summertime and springtime when it's nice outside. There's a patio out front where you can have your your your, uh, your lunch outside right there at the intersection of Elm and and uh, Washington Streets in the in the heart of downtown. Uh, Sharif, you, you think back to when you played and now as an executive in the league, uh, how has food and nutrition changed for players as they try and uh, prepare themselves to uh, put their body in the best shape possible to recover and play again the next night? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I, I think we've grown, you know, just in sports in general to, you know, folks are trying to take, find every advantage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've become so scientific and, you know, so data-driven that, you know, everything is is – being taken into consideration, you know, you know what was a, a pregame meal during the time I played was, you know, maybe burgers and a fries or you know, chicken <laughs> nuggets or something, whatever was tasty. And teams are now, you know, really talking to players about, you know, recovery, you know, which, you know, a large part of that is your rest and, and, and your sleep, your hydration, but, you know, also your nutrition mm-hmm. and, you know, how are you preparing yourself from, you know, practice to practice, game to game, um, and you know one of the one of the luxuries we have with the G League is you know our naming partner and our biggest partner is Gatorade, and yeah, Gatorade has in you know connection with a lot of the other testing that they've done, you know, recovery testing, sweat testing, um, overall performance testing with our teams and players. They've provided a luxury to to our players of. Um, all of our teams are afforded the opportunity to work with registered dietitians. Oh, wow. That will, you know, come out and work with our players, teach them about eating healthy, teach them about, you know, refueling, refueling their bodies. Um, they'll even go out and, and shop with them um, no regarding, you know, healthy um, options or the, the options to, to best prepare themselves to play. Think of it, you know, most of our guys, again, are young young players that probably never had to worry about preparing food for themselves or shopping for themselves. So that's a big luxury that, that Gatorade provides us. That's really cool. That, that is really cool. So the Swarm are not the only team in town that has uh, dietitians and nutritionists. The uh, Greensboro Grasshoppers, the baseball yeah. team uh, affiliated with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Pirates. they actually have uh, a nutritionist this year. Yeah, they have nutritionists and, uh, and cooks every pregame and postgame meal for them right. as well. So, uh, Jeff, I'll let you go ahead and uh, give your score first. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Liberty Oaks, so this is, this is a solid eight for me. Um, the, this is a staple when I when I when I do go there is the turkey and Havarti because the, the I don't know where they get their cheese but it's really really good so solid eight for me uh, for me uh, seven point five good sandwich uh, the Havarti definitely makes the sandwich uh, solid lunch stop uh, not going to really have a hard time getting something good at Liberty how was the soup I didn't have the soup soup was great hey, soup you had the tomato and uh, goat tomato cheese and goat soup. cheese soup yeah yes. and Sharif for you uh, a score 
out of ten. <laughs> and bear in mind, it would have been better hot. We were in yes, oh. cold. <laughs> yes. You got to bump it up like a half a point because of that. I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. All right. right. Sharif giving it a nine. We really do appreciate the time. Thanks so much for the time. And uh, glad you've enjoyed your visit to Greensboro. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe in the iTunes and Google Play Store. We'll be back soon with another edition of Lunch with Spencer and Jeff. Take care, everybody. So long.